Hello and welcome to the weekly football review show. Myself, Gav Mack. I am accompanied by Alex Osborne. Alex, how are you, mon frere? I'm very well, mon frere. Um, very good. Uh, week two for me now in quarantine. I don't know, don't know about your good self, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's starting to uh, weigh weigh quite heavily this uh, quarantine, isn't it? It's uh, it, it, I've had I've had better times. I'm not going to lie, but I'm not going <laughs> to. If I'm honest, I'm I'm quite happy because uh, I've got a bit of webcam darts to keep me occupied. You love your webcam. You love your webcam darts, and uh, yeah, I uh, fortunately I don't. I'm not a dartist myself, unlike yourself. <laughs> well then, team. On tonight's show, uh, we'll be talking about the club gradings. We started doing it last week with Arsenal, Bournemouth, Villa, Burnley. And who else was in there last week? Someone else. That's who it was. Uh, but on this week's show, uh, we'll be talking about <laughs> Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Everton, Leicester and Liverpool. But um, there is a little bit of uh, information as to what's going on uh, elsewhere, away from the world. I'm just going to show you this video and just let me know what your thoughts are, first of all. Hi, everybody. Um, I just want to... Do a quick video message just to say how deeply embarrassed I am by about what has happened this weekend. Um, I know it's a tough time for everyone at the moment. Been locked indoors for so long, and I obviously just got a call off a friend um, asking to go around to his, uh, and I stupidly agreed to do so. Um, I don't want anyone to make the same mistake that I did, so. Obviously, urge everyone to stay at home and and follow the rules and the guidelines of what we've been asked to do. Um, I know for a fact that I'll be doing that in the near future now and obviously like I said I urge everyone to do the same um, I hope everyone can accept my apology and uh, we can move on from this and hopefully obviously in the near future we can all be out enjoying ourselves again um, once this is all um, boiled over so cheers guys and thank you So yeah, Alex, um, what what do you think uh, think of that? Um, I've got to be honest. I think the whole situation um, is a bit of a non-event, and the reason why is yeah, he's 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 done something. He's done something he probably shouldn't have done, um, and he has made a mistake. But he's young. He's he's young, no, no, he's young that, 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 ex that excuse doesn't wash with me anymore. Well, he's not no, young okay, anymore. Well, that, 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 that may not wash with you, but that's the case. I mean, I, I can say with 100% certainty that there is a vast majority of people the same age who have done similar stupid things. Oh, and of course, yeah. You can't then get on your high horse over somebody doing a stupid thing just because they're in the public eye and they are a football player and they earn lots of money. Again, I grant, I grant that. He's in, he's in a fortunate position where a lot of people aren't, OK? But that is not something to beat him over. And I only think this is a bit of a story because of the fact that there is no football, no sport going on right now and that any kind of incident is going to be widely reported on. So for me, yeah, granted, it's... He, he he shouldn't have gone to see his mates. Do you not think and that then he should compounded be on that by crashing? Yeah. I I just think it's a bit of a non-event. It's a non-story. Villa are dealing with it. They find him. They're going to deal with their internal processes, and that's the way it should be. Do you not think that 
because he is in the public eye, because of everything that's happening at the moment, that he should be setting an example. Like if you look, at, if you're watching Sky Sports News, for instance, you know there's people in the studio that are literally the presenters. Everyone else is doing everything from home. You 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 got Talk Sport. You've listened to like Hawksby and Jacob. They're watching. They're doing the show from their own homes. We're doing our show. We always do our show from the studio. We're doing it from each other's homes. You know because we're meant to be staying home. We're meant to be staying safe. He's in the public eye. So should he not be setting an example? I don't think he should be. He should be held to be setting an example. He's not. He's a football player, not 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 somebody who is there to um, be goody, be a goody goody two shoes for for kids. He's an adult. He wants to live his life. Okay, and granted, he, he he's gone against what's been advised. Okay, but this this is a wider issue, really, because we've the, uh, without going into politics too much. It's still been a kind of a grey area. We've been told that we shouldn't be going outside, but please don't do it. It's mm. not a you shouldn't be going outside because if you do go outside, you will be fined. You will be this. This is a lockdown. This is a please, guys, don't go outside. It's not a finality to it. Um, and that's what this all this. I, I can't imagine that he is the only person who has gone and seen his friends since this since since we've been in quarantine i can 100% guarantee that there'll be other people who have gone out and seen their friends just like he has done but because they're not a famous football player and because they don't drive a white range rover flashy range rover and they didn't crash it it's not in the news fair enough I'll leave you to it on that one. Um, <laughs> agree to disagree. Let's talk about some gradings. Let's talk about some nice let's stuff. Let's talk about let's, football. Let's get, let's get, let's get on to football. Let's get, let's, get back to, let's get back to get some football. Indeed. Let's start with Chelsea. Chelsea, they are, they're fourth in the Premier League at the moment. 48 points. Three points ahead of Man United in fifth. Five points behind Leicester. How do you rank, how do you rank Chelsea's season so, so far? Uh, I'll go straight out. I'll, say, I'll give my grade to begin with and then I'll sort of go into why. So I gave him a C plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I gave him a C plus. What did you give him? Um, I gave Chelsea a grading that I don't remember. B. I gave them a B. So you gave him a B. I gave him a C plus. So the reasons why I gave him a C plus is a number of things. So we all know they had the transfer ban going into the season uh, over the summer. They took on a new boss in Lampard, club legend, Highest ever record ever goal scorer for them for a midfielder, which was incredible. Over 200 goals for them. Um, and uh, I mean, they did have, technically they did have one transfer coming in, but it was agreed and uh, done before the transfer transfer ban came in. And that was Kovacevic. They, they, he came in for 40 and a half million pounds. Mm-hmm. The good things, right, that Chelsea have done is that they have promoted because of the transband that they promoted a lot of their youngsters from their uh, uh, academy. And it was about time that they did so because their academy, uh, anybody who's uh, is well connected within football, with certainly within this country would know that Chelsea's academy has been a very strong academy over the last five to 10 years. With yeah, a I've number seen it of first players. Hand. Yeah. I've, I've, had, I've had the joy of seeing it first hand. I have to say that is one of the best academies ever. Yeah. It, 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 they've won numerous FA Youth Cups. They've won numerous FA uh, Youth Trophies, Leagues, etc. And it was a shame that they'd never really been given a chance up until this season as such, as a group, 
You know, I mean, you've had previous players come in and do a little bit. So like Ruben Loftus-Cheek a couple of years ago. And I know you always talk about Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Yeah, a lot of time you for refed him. Um, but as a group this year, you've got Abraham, Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, who was on loan at Derby County last year. Frank Lampard managing Derby last year, so he would know him firsthand. Um what he was, what he could be able to bring to the table. Then you've got Tamori, and then you've got our favourite player, Reese James, uh, yeah. there, uh, bringing up sort of a, a group of four or five lads who have broken into the, the Chelsea side. And the other thing is that they played some very entertaining football, very open, very attacking. But what that has meant is that they've conceded quite a lot of goals um, for a team who should be, for, considering that Chelsea teams of past have been, 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 been built on solid. Uh, organisational under managers such as Jose Mourinho, Carlo Ancelotti, um, you know, uh, being hard to break down, tough to score against, you know, powerful teams. But they were, they've gone in a different direction. Now, that, that does mean, that has meant that they have had a couple of results here and there where it's gone against them. So, for example, opening day was a disaster. You know, that yeah. opening, was it opening day 4-0 defeat yeah. against Man United? The thing is, that Man United game, it was weird because you look at that, you look at that, that result, it was 4-0. That's going to go. What's going to be going down in the record books? But if you look at the performance as a whole, it wasn't really a 4-0 game. And I, I feel that Chelsea were quite unlucky on the whole of that. But there are a couple of games where I feel that Chelsea had let themselves down. Uh, West Ham, uh, I think that was the, the game at home. Um, Duncan Ferguson's one of his first couple of games for Everton. They lost 3-1 there. They lost 1-0 at home to, to Bournemouth. They lost at home to Southampton. They lost away to Newcastle. This isn't Chelsea and Chelsea should be, you know, their games that they should be really winning. And if... If it weren't for those results there, I'll, yes, they are fourth in the league at the moment, but I would have given them an A star. I did actually originally give them a C, but then I thought about it again and I was like, hmm, you know, they have had their transfer ban. You know, Alonso was out of the squad, he's come back in, he's got some really important goals. Mason Mount has come back against, uh, back up with it again. He's looking good. Tammy started well, but then dipped off a little bit. They're just not very good at protecting leads. No, and this comes with having your number of youngsters in your team who will go through peaks and troughs for a season. Um, it's not very often when you will get a group of youngsters like at Man United, the class of 92, you want to call them, where they were remarkably consistent from pretty much the day that they came into the, to the first team. Mm. That was a once-in-a-generation type of... Um, group of players uh, probably likely that we will never ever see anything like that ever again yeah, I, I, I agree um, I, can't, I can't imagine us seeing anything like that in, but, in my yeah, lifetime so I say definitely a C plus mainly because as you say they for, for previous Chelsea um, standards this is not a very good season yeah. even compared to last year they finished what third didn't they last mm-hmm. year they won the Europa League um but this is a rebuilding Chelsea and they've got a y- lot of youngsters and I hope that they stick with the manager and the youngsters moving forwards. That was and, my next question about Lampard. Do you, do you feel yeah. that they should well, stick I with they him? They do. I, I really do hope that they stick with him because it would be an absolute sh- shame if they were, if it was just a case of, look, we want you just to get through this year whilst we do have our transfer ban. 
you can flood our youngsters, but we're going to use that as them to be put in the tran into the summer window, if you want to call it that, and we're going to sell them off and then you go and then just go again with the same old tired and tested of whoever is flavour of the month when it comes to a managerial. I mean, uh, they were on a, a fairly decent bit of form going into this extended break. I know they'd just beaten Liverpool in the FA Cup and I know Liverpool, you could say Liverpool really probably weren't focusing so much on that, but I do think that the Liverpool side that they had put out in that FA Cup game was a pretty was a pretty was a pretty strong side barring a few injuries that Liverpool had. So they they beat them. Uh, when they're likely out of the Champions League, they looked the, they lost to Bayern, didn't they, in the first leg? Um, yeah, but I I think all of that together, I I would certainly say a C plus for Chelsea. Uh, definitely. I mean, it, is, it was a difficult one because I I didn't know whether it was like a C plus sort of B minus kind of, but. C plus kind of covers it off there for Chelsea, yeah, I'll go really. Flat grains, that's what I'd do. But um, the, yeah, <laughs> I'll look at there's two players in particular I feel that have that have been really, really good, um, excluding Reese James, because everybody knows how much I love Reese James. Reese James is one of the best players, best young players that England have got. And it's such a shame that right back is so is so densely populated at the moment. But two players that have really stood out for me this year. One is is an old 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 war who's been there for a long time, and another one is someone who we all took the mick out of last year. That's Willian, who's out of contract this summer, and Jorginho. Yep. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm not still. I'm still not sold on Jorginho. Really, the game Jorginho is missing. You can tell what difference it makes, and there's a lot. There's there's a, there's a William, lot of players knocking around like this. Uh, no, when Jorginho's missing, you can tell. Um, you can tell a major difference. There was something that was going around on Facebook earlier on this week. There's loads of bits, bobs. You know, like who's your favourite player from certain teams, whatever. And I put Darren Fletcher like in my history. Darren Fletcher for Manchester United, and loads of people were taking the mick out of me for it. And I was looking at it like this: Darren Fletcher. You don't realise that you miss him until he's missing. Just like, who else? Uh, Jordan Henderson for Liverpool. Look how much Liverpool fell apart without Jordan Henderson. You know, Jorginho is in that sort of mould. When he's missing from the team, you don't, you don't realise he's there until he's missing. I think, I think that player for Chelsea, in my opinion, is actually Kante rather than Jorginho. Mm. Uh, I think he's a bit of a nothing player. But I definitely agree with you about William. Willian has been, for someone who's been advanced years, playing in a position that he does, which which kind of requires somebody to be energetic, a bit yeah, of pace, level as well. the acceleration. He hasn't really dropped off. And uh, I know he's out, of, he's out of contract, isn't he, in this summer or yeah. whenever the summer is going to happen, shall we say. Mm. Um, and it's a bit, bit rumours saying that he would be joining another London club most notably Tottenham or, or Arsenal. The irony, the irony if he goes to Tottenham because he actually turned down Tottenham. He was, he was, he, he, the deal was agreed. He was on his way to Tottenham and uh, yeah. Chelsea hijacked the move. Um, let's move on to Crystal Palace now. Yes. Um, Crystal Palace. I'll just put some gradings on so everybody can see. Um, I've gone with a C grade and oh, you've gone with a Me C too. grade as well. So, I went with the C grade. So why did you go with the C, C grade, Gav? Well, let's go with the stats first of all. Crystal Palace, 11th in the Premier League, 29 games, 10 wins, 9 draws, 10 defeats. They're on 39 points. Now, you don't know what you're meant to expect from Crystal Palace. Are they meant to be relegation? Are they meant to be mid-table? 
Are they meant to be in the eighth place that are scratching for a potential seventh place in the hope that someone lower down doesn't get into the FA, someone lower down doesn't get into the FA Cup or anything like that? So you just don't know what 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 Crystal Palace team you're expecting. This one, I thought they were almost a shoe in to go down because at the beginning of the season they weren't doing a lot. Things haven't changed so much in terms of goal scoring. They've only scored 26 goals in the Premier League this year and their highest goal scorer is is Ayu with eight goals. The next one is yeah. is on three. And, that's and, the third and that, and lowest Zaha. in this league, isn't it? It, it is. Um, and 11th place, you could argue, is, is flattering. However, what I love about Crystal Palace is that once they, most of the time, when they take the lead, they maintain their lead and they'll defend for their lives and, you know, they'll go out and win 1-0. Their last three games have been 1-0 wins and they've looked quite comfortable doing that. Imagine if they had a striker or a decent striker who was able to do it. Ben Teke, right? Ben Teke has scored one goal this season, one goal in, in, in over 900 minutes of, of Premier League football. Uh, they got Sorloth out on loan at, at Trabzonspor. I know the Turkish league is a different league to the Premier League. However, you still need a goal scorer. You need option. He scored 19 goals and got eight assists in 26 games as Sorloth. And they could do with that because if Zaha isn't getting the ball, they haven't got an, out, an answer. Teams already know just to double up on Zaha. As soon as they do that, there's there's no other option for Crystal Palace at the moment. And... So I, I'm I'm not quite sure whether they're, they're 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 sort of like punching above their weight or not, but I think I think a good solid C grade is is worthy enough. Um yeah, uh, I, I I certainly the reason why I went with the C grade is because it's pretty much Palace are doing what I think is bare minimum expected of them, as in mid table, comfortable. Organised, hard to hard to beat. Don't score many goals. Pretty much your classic Roy Hodgson team. Yeah, uh, this is this is this is the hallmark of what he did when he was England manager. Uh, when he's been previous managers in the Premier League with Blackburn, uh, he's managed all around Europe as well, hasn't he? Um, as well, and the thing is about that Sorloff. <laughs> they were talking about uh, was it on, on? I think it was on the radio. Yeah, he may well as he may well be doing quite well in the Turkish league. But they were like saying, "Well, if you'd seen him play, then you'd realise that he was lucky to get that loan move to go to the Turkish league." And that that says it all about the standard that he's facing over there. <laughs> so again, you could say, "Yeah, it's a goal scorer," but I don't think they'd be any better off if he hadn't have gone and if he'd stayed. Um, They've only lost one game heavy this year, which was against Spurs, which is sort of at the beginning of the season when they lost 4-0. But they don't think they've lost another game by more than two goals for the rest of the season in all competitions. Now, you've mentioned Jordan Ayew. He, he's scored a number of crucial goals for them, which has won them that's, that's quite the a few thing. games. That, when he uh, does score, it's in a 1-0 win. Yes. And, and how it, important it, it, are those? Three points, yeah. So... Yeah. And, and they only spent, they didn't spend a lot of money on him at all. It was only, it was less than three million pounds, I believe, they, yeah. they actually spent on him, um, which was uh, pretty much, I think, is a bit of a steal, to be honest with you. 
Um, and they, 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 they've kind of wheeled and dealed and they've got Cahill, Gary Cahill on a free from Chelsea to go along the back line. And, you know, their first, it said about what kind of team they were. Their first away win this season, their first win in the Premier League was away against Man United, 2-1 at early doors. But yes, I say, they've lost heavily against Spurs. They drew Man City away. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're, as you say, they've had a couple of results where you would expect them to do better. Um, I'll look at, but I'll I think look at they, they've done, where, as a team, they've done the bare minimum. I look at situations where they, you know, they could have been involved in a relegation scrap and it's beaten the teams around them, which have got them away from that. I look in particular, they did the double over West Ham. You know, you take that away. That's 31 points there on. And as you mentioned before, they got a point away to Man City. Massive, massive uh, uh, point that was. And that puts them on 30 points. Just say if they don't get the, the you know, the, the double against West Ham and, and that point there, then they're in a relegation zone. Now they're in a situation where we talk about Arsenal going, oh yeah, you know, there's a chance that they could get into a fourth or a fifth spot. You know, Burnley in and around it because of that, because they're on the same amount of points. Crystal Palace are only two points behind Arsenal at the moment. In fact, they're so on 39 points. The they yeah, did exactly. do it. They're on 39 they're points. They're already, six, they're already six points off, off Man United. I suppose, the, I suppose the, the issue with Crystal Palace moving forward, though, if you want to look at it this way, is where is the goal going to come from? Because I think it's going to be... I think I don't know if Zaha is going to stay another year. I I would be surprised if he was still playing for Crystal Palace in the next season, whenever that may be, because um, he's what into his prime now, isn't he? He's twenty seven. Yeah, twenty seven. That's the thing. Like people think he's still young. No, you know, no, that, he is. He really, if he doesn't make a move now, he might as well just stay at Palace for the rest of his career, and which is not a bad thing. I'm, this is not me slating. Crystal Palace in any way. What I'm trying to say with that is he seems like a very ambitious winger and he made his move to Man United before. It didn't work out that way. But And there was also talk of him, you know, going to Arsenal in the pre-season, talk of him going to Bayern in the pre-season. I don't understand why Arsenal and Bayern are in the same same boat there. But, you know, just going out there and, and making, it, making a further move. And I think the price tag was the was the d- deterring factor and it's not saying that he was worth 80 million is is 80 million is the value that palace have him at so it's like well we don't want to let him go you're going to have to pay x to get him and i don't think yeah. any teams really wanted wanted to do that especially, especially when you can get younger players with who may who may not be as good as zaha is right now but their potential is certainly better than what zaha has become Mm-hmm. For similar or cheaper money, and teams would teams would rather go down that route. Um, but I, I certainly can't see him being at Palace. I would be, as I say, I would be surprised if he was staying at Palace. And when that's the case, Palace Palace are going to have to make a decision. Are, are they going to stick with Hodgson, who's done a fabulous job? Yep. Don't get me. He's done a really good job with Palace. I know when he first joined them, they needed a bit of stabilising, didn't they? Because they, they were kind of... Well, they've just been... Yeah, I, I, I don't think they gave Frank de Boer enough time. But no, they... That, 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 it was that, literally four games, four defeats. See you later. That was the big mistake, is that A, that they hired him in the first place, but they compounded on it by not even giving him a chance to overturn the poor start that they had. Mm. Um, now... You could look at that one or two ways. You could look at it as a 
Well, fair play to Crystal Palace. They recognise they made a mistake. And they've, excuse me. They've they, it early. Yeah, they realised that, you know, if we carried on like this, then it would be too late for us to try and rectify this so that they actually made the decision early. Or B, you could look at it as they should never have hired him in the first place in which they wouldn't have had that, um, they wouldn't have had to make that decision at all. Mm. You know, it, it, it's the same decision that comes with the a number of other clubs that I can think of have made a poor, poor choice to begin with. They've compounded on it and then they've had to make another decision where it's then meant that they are in a worse position than they were to begin with. So, um, uh, I, I, I've got, what I'm trying to say is though going back to the original point is they're going to have to make a decision if Zaha goes they're going to need to A they need to bring in players who can make a difference who can score some goals for them and B yeah. if that's the case it's Roy Hodgson that coach is going to be able to do that for them because uh, history has shown that Roy Hodgson is not a very adventurous manager mm-hmm. who is going to get a side to score a number of goals from different positions. Um, England, so. Iceland, 2016. Um, let's move on to our favourite club uh, on two up top. <laughs> Everton Football Club. What are Everton? It's always going to be there. It's going to be one of the main sections for the rest of mankind and the rest of time. Everton, 12th place, 10 wins, 7 draws, 12 defeats, 37 points. What do you, uh, well, I've, uh, I've got some gradings there. Uh, I've gone with a D grade. Uh, Alex, what's your grade? I also, I also went with a D grade, mainly because we had the discussion pre-season and the discussion was below the top six sides, there were three clubs that we all looked at who were going to break in, who were, who were the clubs who were going to break into that top six if they were in the Premier League. Yeah. Everton were one of them. The other two were Leicester, who we'll talk about in a in a in a bit in a, in a short while, um, and Wolves, uh, which we'll be talking about in a future episode. But it was them three clubs, wasn't it? Those were the three we were all expecting to make a serious challenge on the top six. Now Leicester and Wolves have certainly done that this season, proving yeah. that we could kind of see that from going ahead. However, Everton. <laughs> They they failed miserably, and uh, despite having some big investment over the summer um, from the new owners who had links to the Russian owner, ex-owner of Arsenal or part yeah, owner, Uzmanov, but, yeah. Um, I think they I think they the company's called is it Reading White Holdings. I think they're called so. uh, Uzmanov uh, and his. Um, his compatriot or his colleague, is it Moshiri? Is it Moshiri? I think that's his name. Yeah. Um, but they spent, they spent some big money over the summer, mainly on four players, which were uh, Alex Sawobi, Moises Keane. They actually made Andre Gomez permanent from the loan deal that they did have him, but they made him permanent. And uh, Jim Bappin. I, I can't, I can't try to say his name. Bappin, I think his name is. I think that's how you say it. Jean-Philippe Kabappen, they signed him from, Le- I think it was from Lille, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his name, I'm just going to run with you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I've completely butchered his, uh, his name there. But they've spent over £100 million in total on those four players and a couple of other additions on the sort of like the fringes of the first team squad. And it, it kind of exposed Marco Silva, who we all, we all agree that, or we're certainly on the show, we're not a fan of Marco Silva. feel like he has kind of stolen a bit of a living with uh, with some of his previous managerial jobs. And mm. 
it proved it proved to be the case because he got sacked uh, rightly so because Everton were down down in the relegation zone or very hovering just above it and then they uh, hired much to uh, surprise across the football world Carlo Ancelotti uh, when he was being linked with the Arsenal job at the same time uh, and a couple of other jobs and they've certainly got better since he's come in okay there's no denying that they they have. Uh, they've, they've, the results have picked up. They've moved. They lost the three games in, in his in his uh, in his control. However, there has still been results in there, which, as you say, would go with the line is what are Everton still inconsistent? Which then me- makes you think: Is it just uh, a club mentality? Is that just what Everton are going to suffer? Um, you know the the. the the perennial title that goes with, say, to Tottenham, that they will bottle it. You know, they spurs it up. Arsenal bottle it I every give, year. I, I, I could give you some examples of of Everton bottling it. Um, you know, games from winning positions. Uh, you got Brighton. You got Leicester. You got Arsenal. Um, they're all those three games. They were all leading, and they lost all three of those games. Uh, Man United leading, dropped two points there. Newcastle, that's the worst one. That's when they were they were two 0 up with on, on ninety one minutes on the clock, and they conceded two goals in injury time to to draw to a piece. And then the other game against United as well, it's fifteen points that they've dropped from winning positions. I know it's all about what ifs and that sort of stuff, but you take those victories, you put that on their points total, that puts them on fifty two points. Their party time, fifty two points. Yeah, again, it's all uh, it's all conjuncture, isn't it? I mean, you could you could probably go through every single club this season and, and point out those kind of similar situations, other than Liverpool, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you could say that uh, if this had done better, they would be ten, fifteen points better off. I mean, some of the highlights of the season is, or some of the highlights for Everton would be Dominic Calvert Lewin and Richarlison. Mm-hmm. Them two together scoring what nearly thirty goals between them and proving a real goal threat that Everton have. The problem is, is that outside of those two, the next highest goal scorer is Bernard. Bernard, who's only got three, and um, yeah. just goes to show that it's very similar to the Arsenal situation when Aubameyang, if you keep him quiet, you nullify him, or he doesn't have a good game. Where are the goals are going to come from? It's the same with uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. If either one of them is not available, is not playing, or they're both not having a good game, who is going to step up and score the goals? And so I think every. Oh, go on. I was going to say, I think what Everton are going to do, I think they're gonna, they're just looking to try and ride the season out, and then in the summer they're going to properly attack it because with the coach like Ancelotti, with the reputation he will have undoubtedly has across Europe. They're going to look to attract better players and that will be the only way that Everton can get out and move up on up in the table, really. So, where, where Everton, I think, just messed up massively is, one, letting a, just a Ghana gay go. That was, that was one of the massive, massive crimes that Everton have done over the last few years, let, letting that happen. You know, they should have just offered him a new contract. Yeah, he's, he's like 29, 30 now, but 
him, people like him and Ndidi, you know, we're going to talk about Ndidi shortly because we've got to talk about Leicester in this show. But they're the type of people that you want in the centre of the park that are just going to chop people down. And when things aren't going right, you still need someone who's going to have a little bit of mentality to make sure you don't ship too many goals. What they, what Everton do a lot, and they did it more so under Marco Silva, was that if things were going wrong, it's like, right, we need to put more attacking mindset on there. There was one game in particular, they had Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, um, Woby, Walcott and Sigurdsson all on the pitch at the same time. That's... You haven't got anything in the middle of the park whatsoever. I think in that game, they might have even taken the Sigurdsson off and brought on another attack-minded player. Probably Moyes at the time. It's like, what are you? I know you're trying to get a goal. I understand what you're trying to do, but this isn't Championship Manager 1995, 96. That sort of stuff doesn't work. You know, you still need to have some form of structure. And I think at that point, that's where that's where Marco Silva started losing the dressing room a lot. It's a shame that they, well, not they. It's more of a shame about Duncan Ferguson not wanting to take the job because. He had the right mentality and the right passion that everybody on Merseyside wanted. And, well, on the blue half of Merseyside anyway. And he got some really, really strong results. But funny that, ex-player who's played for the club knows what the club wants, doing well for them. I think of another situation where... Uh, down in London where that is uh, oh, I'll talk you about in Manchester because next week we will be talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, there's uh, <laughs> um, before um, oh yeah that's, that's what I was going to mention before thing is with Everton is that they are meant to be embarking on a, a really decent future they've got the plan of permission for the new ground and they've got a world class manager they've got money in the bank they should not be a team in 12th. They should be a team that are in in the next bracket of, of fighting for top six and maybe a title. They should be making the top six into a top seven, basically. Mm. That's, that's, where, that's what Everton should be aiming at. Um, and that's what they should be looking, looking to do, especially, as you say, with the investment that they've got behind them, the manager they have in place. Some of the players that they already have in the squad, as namely Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, um, you know, players who... Uh, and, and here's the good thing about both of those players. Both of them are still young. Both of them are, I think, in Richarlison's uh, case, I think he's, what, 22? I was going to say, he's like 22, yeah. I think Calvert-Lewin's a very similar age as well. Both of them are, anyway, uh, the right side of under 25, aren't they? So mm. uh, they definitely have some plus points. It's just whether they can capitalise on them is the is going to be the is going to be whether they can answer and they've got to somehow they've got to pick up a victory over Liverpool. They st- they haven't beat they didn't beat them at all in the last decade. It's been over a decade since they've beaten them mm. in all competitions and that showed against the uh, game was it in the FA Cup when they played each other in the FA Cup. Oh, when they Everton... absolutely battered them for the first 20 minutes and then just like fell apart. <laughs> yeah, the kids. yeah they, Everton played a pretty much a full-strength side. Liverpool... They did. They were pretty... full, fully strength and yeah. Liverpool just put kids out. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not acceptable. I'm just going to go to the comments quickly. Uh, Martin Wesley is watching the show. Thank you very much for watching, Martin. Uh, there's a couple of bits that you mentioned about Chelsea. Um, you know, Chelsea United are quite similar uh, because they're young and inconsistent. He agrees with your... 
with your grading as well, Alex, on a C plus. And also, I mentioned about Sorloth over in Turkey. Cenk Tosin came from came from uh, came from Turkey. He's been playing for Everton and is now on loan at Crystal Palace. So it sort of really goes to goes to say and add on to the fact that <laughs> Turkish league isn't that great. Um, let's move to Leicester. Leicester City, they are, let's give them the stats first and then Alex, I'll get your opinions on it. Third place, uh, 29 games, 16 wins, five draws, eight defeats. They've also scored 58 goals in the Premier League. I gave them an A+. Plus. Uh, a plus, A minus, sorry. I gave them A minus mainly because <laughs> they are perfor- they are performing above expectations. Okay, they've not had a, uh, going into this extended break, they weren't in the best of forms. Mm. However, you, when you look at the season as a whole, you definitely think that Leicester have been performing above expectations. Uh, obviously, the high point was that 9-0 thumping of Southampton who were um, down to 10 men by the way in that game they were down to 10 men but if that was the case then every game that featured 10 men everybody would do similar score lines so that can't be used as a oh, as an asterisk okay yeah that helps with the context of the game but I'm pretty certain by the time that Southampton had gone down to 10 men Leicester were already 5 or 6 nil up at that point no anyway. no no, no. Um, they're actually it was still nil nil it was um, Ryan Bertrand who got sent off after 12 minutes, I believe. 11 or 12 minutes, a VAR decision. Um, Jose Perez scored his first goal for the club at that, in that game as well. Um, I'm, not, I'm not taking that away. I'm not taking that away from, from that result. That result is the, is the joint highest um, victory in the Premier League. But um, they, they were like Southampton were down to 10 men as well. Um, so, yeah, anyway, moving very much a high point anyway. Um, they had three major arrivals, again, similar to Everton. They made a centre midfielder in Tullamans. They had him on loan. They actually made that loan move permanent. They ended up spending quite a bit of money on him, over £40 million. You mentioned uh, Perez. Um, yeah, definitely worth it. Perez, they've spent quite a bit of money on him. See, Isaac Perez, I really like him. I've always said that, you know, like when Liverpool was uh, just about to start making their change into being the team that they are now, I said then that they should look at a player like IOZ Perez. He's a fantastic footballer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I certainly was a little bit surprised at the price tag of that Newcastle were able to get that amount of money from, considering he hadn't, he hadn't been that uh, prolific in terms of goal goal scoring but he is not really that type of goal he's not really that type of striker is he he's your more creative flying forward so um, he certainly certainly spent some money on him I think it was over 30 million pounds and then the other major arrival was that Dennis Pryor um, they signed as well Sampdoria Sampdoria yeah Yeah. in the end they ended up spending around about 90 million on all three of those players so Mm. they certainly see themselves as making some investment into the squad looking to break into that top six and I mean they did have the one major departure in Harry Maguire for nearly 80 just shy of 80 million pounds so they certainly in terms of the net transfer spend haven't really outlaid that much because obviously it's offset against the huge uh, departure that they had but had a centre-back waiting in the wings in uh, uh, Kagler I don't know how you say it 
Um, yeah. who has proved since being fighting for them. I know they got him actually last season, allowed him a year to acclimatise, possibly looking a vision vision of how Maguire would be going. So we're going to be able to let, let this lad come in slot into his place, which is the kind of good forward thinking that uh, clubs should be looking at on a more consistent basis, which will allow them to uh, transition from players and teams to teams, you know, when you have to rebuild them. Obviously, Jamie Vardy, still world-class. He hasn't had best times recently in the last few weeks, but that shouldn't, that shouldn't say, that shouldn't uh, put anybody uh, off him. He is defying kind of physics, really. He's getting up there in age in terms of football players, but he still seems as boundless as energy and as quick as he always has been. Right. What I want to say about Jamie Vardy is because like, people will end up banging on going, oh, yeah, well, Leicester, you know, they're relying too much on Jamie Vardy's goals and this, that and the other. They've scored 58 goals this season in the Premier League. Uh, if you take away Vardy's goals, they've got 39 in the Premier yeah. League, which is which would put them eighth in the list of the highest goal scorers, they are, they are scoring goals. Yeah, so 39 yeah. goals between the rest of the team. They're finding goals from everywhere. And that's yeah, what I love about that, Leicester City. So James Madison and Wading were quite a few. Perez has caught a few. Harvey, Harvey Barnes. Chipped in. Um, you know, and there's a couple of other players that escape my uh, mind just at the moment have also scored as well. So it, it's... it's uh, they, they do have the goal capacity, if Vardy doesn't score, them still to be able to go out and get the goals regardless. Um, and putting it all of that, uh, here's the other thing. Uh, if you take out, so if you take the top two out of the uh, equation, mm. uh, less, uh, Liverpool and Man City, they've only lost four games from the rest of the league. So from... Second, uh, from third downwards, they've only lost four against the rest of those teams. The problem is, is when it came to the top two sides, and we mentioned this when we did, when they did play it, they showed them, I think they showed them a bit too much respect. Um, yeah. It showed that they were actually put aside quite easily by both Liverpool and Man City, uh, yeah, which that's... was a bit, was a bit of a shame. But outside yeah. of that, their performance way above, I mean, put it this way, you said, this, if we had said to a, out of 100 fans at the start of the season, would Leicester be in third position with 10 games left to go of the season? And comfortably so, would that be the case? And I'll bet you the majority would say no, That would, they would not expect that to be the, the case. See, I'll see it that way. I'll see where you're coming from on that one. But then I've looked at the season as we've played it out and I've actually upgraded my grade. It was a C, I've upgraded it to a B. Um, if you look at it from the outside going in, and ask that question that you just asked, I would then say, well, they've got to be an A regardless. But then 13 games, three wins, you know, those defeats were against Liverpool and and, and City. So, yeah, you can sort of understand that. But they lost against Southampton, you know, they and that was at home. They lost against Burnley. They lost against City... Again, they lost against Norwich. They drew too many games in that time period. It's I'm 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 quite disappointed in how they've how how the way that they started, the way that they were doing their thing. I'm not saying that they could have won the title again, 
But I am a bit disappointed how they've sort of like just allowed themselves to roll over and have their bellies tickled. I think it's, um, yeah, it, it's not for me. One good, uh, a couple of good things that I, that I will mention about about Leicester, their disciplinary record. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. thirty-one yeah. yellow cards and one red card. Have you uh, a little bit yeah. of trivia? Do you know who that red card was against and who it's who it's for? Uh, no, go on. Okay. Um, it, it was Chowdhury, and it was for a second yellow against Wolves. They drew that game. But, um, you know, their counter-attacking is, is a joy to watch. Their their main midfield three of Ndidi, Tielemans and Madison is beautiful, but they've also got backup in the shape of Chowdhury, in the shape of Nampolis Mendy, in the shape of Dennis Pryat. You know, they, they can play Harvey Barnes in behind. It's... They they are they are a joy to watch and it's 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 nice to have someone who isn't your typical top six side getting involved and getting in the mix of everything. It is, and I mean the only thing that I would be concerned with moving forwards is Brendan Rodgers' side previously in the Premier League. So um, when he was with Swansea, he had initial success, didn't he, for a year year and a half. Um, and he managed to get out before teams really caught on to how the, his teams played at Swansea when he went to Liverpool. But the concerning thing is with Liverpool is that he had that amazing season where they were pretty much a Steven Gerrard slip away from winning the title. Um, but then the next season, they really came down with a bump to earth. Yeah, I know they had a couple of major departures from that team, namely Luis Suarez and a couple of injuries. But... They weren't the same side, even though it was the same manager. And I know he went up to Celtic and he, he, he won trophy after trophy at Celtic, but they really didn't have much competition up there in the Scottish League. So my point is, would it would be concerning for Leicester fans, knowing how Brendan Rodgers has seemed to have an initial success, but then he can't sustain that. So moving forward, are Leicester, are Leicester due for a bit of a bump? Uh, I'm not yet. sure, and the reason why another reason why I graded it from a C to a B is that I looked at their defensive record, and only Sheffield United and Liverpool have conceded less goals than Leicester. It'll be interesting. I, I think uh, again, this is all big ifs, depending on what happens with this current season. If they are allowed, if the Premier League is allowed to play out, and they do eventually end up finishing in the Champions League spaces is that extra fixture and travelling going to make an impact on them moving forward? I would suggest that it may do, depending on recruitment. Uh, before yeah. we move on, I just want to ask you a quick question about Damari Gray. What's he got to do? I like him. I love I, him. He, he has the traits... I've always been a bit of a... I've always got a bit of a soft spot for flying wingers. I mean, my... Uh, late 90s my favourite Arsenal player at the time other than Patrick Vieira was Mark Overmars because I love the fact he was a flying winger he could he, he's the kind of player that they're the kind of players that get crowds off, off there you know when they pick yeah. up the ball they sense of anticipation what they're going to do what uh, you know what uh, what what can he do mm. when he gives up the ball the other player I, I think of when I think of that was Jose Antonio Reyes um, as well he was very similar kind of player when you know when he picked the ball yeah um, rest in peace um, sadly to say but when when he um, when he picked up the ball there was a sense of anticipation I get that with Damari Gray now 
and the problem is a consistency is he is not able to string it on a on a three four five six game basis you he know he never gets three four five six games that's the issue he could be as a, as a winger uh, it could be his attitude mm. now um i don't know but I, i've got a feeling that Brendan Rodgers is not the first manager not really to play him all that often. This happened under Claude Puel. This happened under Craig Shakespeare as well. And it really happened under Ranieri. So that's four different managers all really not playing him all that much. So, so but why is he me, still there? Why not? Why not cash in on him if his attitude's that bad? Just like and he's not getting game time, you'll be able to get money out of him. Just, just, just cash in. Uh, yeah. But then they obviously see a talent in there. So the problem is, is the fear. The fear is that if they do let him go, he does get it together and he goes and plays for another team. Mm. That they let him go and they've not been able to manage it. So it's a difficult situation. But my my theory would suggest that it would probably be down to attitude rather than uh, the actual ability of the player himself. Fair enough. Uh, and finally, on this week's show, we'll be uh, mentioning Liverpool. It's only fair that we do that. Liverpool, they are streets ahead of everybody else. They are top of the league. They've got, out of their 29 games, they've got 27 wins. They've got one draw. That was against Man United earlier on in the season. they got one defeat against Watford that the whole world loved. Uh, they've only conceded 21 goals. We spoke about Leicester's di- disciplinary record as well. They've got 31 yellow cards and one red Liverpool, their defensive their de- um, defensive record, as I said, twenty one goals conceded, but their discipline, twenty six yellow cards and one red card. That discipline is something that's been missing, not necessarily in terms of picking up cards and stuff, but the mentality side of the discipline is it's been something that's been missing from from Liverpool over the years, and they've finally got it right. Yes, yeah. Um, it's just, it's been a perfect storm for Liverpool, really. Uh, they've, they hired Klopp, they they invested in him, they saw into his vision, um, which, you know, I, I, earlier today, I've actually been watching a documentary on Amazon Prime Video about Steven Gerrard, about his life and career for Liverpool, and it, it, it's such a shame, really, that Klopp didn't come in earlier for, for as manager for Liverpool. Because I've got a feeling if he had it done, then Steven Gerrard would probably end up would probably have had a Premier League winners' medal um, that he so desperately wanted to have to for Liverpool. Um, but they've they've gone about it the right way. They really have. They they invested in his vision. They backed him up. And yet, whilst results didn't quite go their way to begin with. They could see that there was an improvement there being had. And with some smart recruitment, they were then able to sell on some players for big money. Oh, they've done really well with that. Really, really well. Especially players coming through their academy. I mean... I'm I'm not talking about people like Coutinho. I'm talking about people like Ibe, you know, uh, Solanke. How do they make money, that sort of money, out of players like that? Exactly. They, They made a lot of money out of those players. And as you say... They then were able to sell Raheem Sterling for a lot of money. They sold Suarez for a lot of money. They sold Coutinho for a hell of a lot of money. And they were able to use that money along with the other players that they sold, as you say, Jordan Ibe and Solanke, to then bring in your Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, Fabinho, mm. uh, Wijnaldum, um, Milner, 
Firmino. Uh, yeah, and these are the players to begin with. And then you had your two cherries on the top. Obviously, smart recruitment in Robertson, uh, Andy Robertson at left back. Yeah, I mean, million. they less than 10 million, and he's probably the world's best left back, or he's certainly within the top five left backs right in the now, world. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then along with a couple of really good youth prospects coming through in Joe Gomez. I actually I say uh, youth prospects, didn't they? I think they signed him from Charlton to be honest with they you. They did, yeah, they, for like one point two million or something like that. It was really, really cheap. But Trent Alexander Arnold um has been for them. And then your two final pieces of the puzzle in Allison and Virgil van Dijk. Uh I know they spent big money on them, but they were able to spend the big money on those two players because of the shrewd business that they they had conducted to get them to that mission. It was the it was like the Man United of the late nineties, early two thousands. Man United were able to spend the kind of money they were spending then because it was based on a player sales that they had made, but then also the commercial revenue that they had generated off the off the field from being such a successful club. It was it was na- manufactured naturally, wasn't it? Rather than your Man City route, which was sort of more your artificial investment. So mm. they have built this up over a number of years, culminating in, well, last season, there was a record-setting season for a team finishing runners-up in the Premier League. They only lost one game last year. They were one point off, but getting 97 points. They've gone to back-to-back Champions League finals. I know they lost the first one, but they won the second one. And then this season as well, where they're set, they're still at a record-setting pace, having only drawn one and lost one, and then won all the rest. And they only need, they only need six more points to win the league. Um, so all of those have been great however having said all of that I reckon that Liverpool would have looked obviously they want to get the season finished right but this extended break I think they'd be quite happy for it because I started to feel that a few teams maybe had figured them out just a little bit I think I think many teams have figured them out and the reason why I say this is that they they concede a lot of chances every single game but teams don't put them away and the the difference between them and the difference between Liverpool is that Liverpool they will they, they play that open to allow you to have chances and if you don't take them it's like do you know what screw it we'll have this um, Alisson has missed a lot of the season yeah I wanted to mention that as well Alisson has uh, missed 20 games in all competitions for, for Liverpool this season and they're still defensively been able to do everything they can because they've got stalwarts of, of Van Dijk and Gomez there. And when they haven't got Gomez, they'll have Matip. If they haven't got Matip, they've got Lovren. This is the first time, look, Alex, you're 34. Uh, I'm 32. I'm 33 this year. This is the first time in my lifetime that I have seen Liverpool have a decent back four. And I know Liverpool fans will probably get jumped up a bit. And go, Hold on a minute. We had we had Hip here at the back. Yes, I know you had Hip here at the back. But... At that time, you only had two or three decent defenders. You never had a decent back four. And this is the even first then, time. Even then, Herpia wasn't... He was good. He was a good Premier League player, but he wasn't the best Premier League. He wasn't. He certainly wouldn't have been in the best Premier League 11 no. at the time. Because there was always better centre-halves yeah. playing in the same era as him. Um, like, it's, it's the fact that like they're, they're back four or if they they'd have like three decent defenders and then a, a questionable goalkeeper whereas now they've got a solid back four 
that that back four picks itself and will pick itself across many a team all around the world. And then they've got Alisson between the sticks, who is the second, maybe third, third or second best goalkeeper in the world. And everyone knows that that Janar Black is 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 world number one. Um, Liverpool over the last couple of years, when they have beaten teams, they have actually slapped them. This year, they haven't really done that. And you can, it sounds weird, but it's only been on six occasions where they've won games by three goals or more. Mm. And the, the, the games that they win, they're winning 1 0, they're winning 2 1, they're winning 3 2. So they're grinding, they're grinding out results, which, as I say, I think leads to, leads to the fact that I think they have been figured out just a little bit, um, mainly because. They don't really appear to have a plan B. Um, and that is going to be the thing moving forward. Can, can come up with a, a decent plan B when plan A isn't quite working? Now, going on his history at Dortmund, he was successful at Dortmund for such a long time, but then it came to his last season. And in his last season, at the halfway stage, I'm pretty certain they were either bottom of the Bundesliga yeah, or they were in the relegation certain. zone. And, and then they it's ended up finishing just in the top half. At the end of the day, they went on a bit of a run. Yeah. However, it marked the fact that they Klopp's time had come to quite an abrupt end at Dortmund, didn't they? Because mm. I'm pretty certain Dortmund fans were thinking that Klopp was going to be their manager for a hell of a time. <laughs> a lot longer than he actually was. So, it's going to be interesting to see how Liverpool go ahead now if they do go down a different route. And I would suggest if if I was Liverpool manager, I would be looking at trying to potentially bring in a different type of player than what they've had previously. So I would be looking at your creative midfield player and then a, a more traditional centre-forward um, rather than Firmino. Uh, or certainly as a different alternative option to Firmino. And it will all be interesting to see if... Because there are big rumours today that Real Madrid are going to be going heavy for Sadio Mane in the uh, in the transfer window um, alongside Haaland. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, if they are able to keep a hold of him uh, going forward. Especially because he'll be like, well, we've won the Premier League. I've won the Champions League. I don't really, I don't really want to... Um, the FA Cup is not going to keep me here at Liverpool anymore. I, I, I want to go on to further new challenges, you know? Exactly. And I've, I've, yeah, there's there's only going to be so much. I imagine that what you'll want to do is, is try and retain the title. But it's it's pretty obvious that we've both given uh, gone with um, A-star gradings for Liverpool. Um, this has been Two Up Top. You've been watching that. You may have been listening to Two Up Top. The weekly review show is COVID week week three there's going to be more stuff so just keep an eye out on on the page like share follow we've got all the links there and uh, yeah it's been it's been great having you on board alex thank you for uh for your involvement all the best You're and good just want to reiterate there gav again just guys follow the twitter follow our twitter page follow the facebook if you're not already and you do listen to the show please give it a like support the show help us grow and again, send in, send in any uh, recommendations, what you'd like us to do. Uh, we, we, we do encourage all kinds of feedback, don't we, Gav? Uh, we always want to yeah, try and make the do. show better. And at the end of the day, we do this for you guys. You know, we, we want to be able to share our opinions and thoughts, but we also want it to make as interactive as possible as well. Well, well speak for yourself. I'll do it for me. Thank you and goodbye, guys. Cheers. <laughs>